Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. Hello, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm super pumped for today's episode because I'm joined by my friend and registered dietitian, Carolyn Cruzcamp, and we're going to talk about all things metabolism. Like, what is metabolism? Which foods boost metabolism? And what are things that can negatively and positively impact your metabolism. It's going to get real up in here, everybody. But first, I'm going to let Carolyn introduce herself and what she does, and then we'll dive into all the metabolism fun. So Carolyn, the floor is yours. Hi, everybody, and thanks for the welcome and for having me here. Um, Like Danny said, my name is Carolyn. I'm a registered dietitian and personal trainer, and I take a very functional approach to everything involving hormones, gut, and metabolism because they are all connected, and it's super fun to see what they all do. So that's a little bit about me. Yes, Carolyn and I have somewhat similar clientele. Uh, As many of you know, at Pivot, we do a lot of fat loss, body recomposition, um, of course, health. We do some reverse dieting. And Carolyn, you do quite a bit of that as well, just with some additional testing. Mm -hmm, Definitely. All right. Well, let's dive into all the metabolism fun. Can you explain to our listeners... What is metabolism? Because I feel like we use this word on the street, like my metabolism is broken or my metabolism Mm -hmm. sucks. And I don't think most people that use the word metabolism in their day to day lingo actually understand what it is. So let's break metabolism down into its parts. Definitely. Yeah. Metabolism is kind of a word that's thrown around pretty loosely. Um, But really the definition comes down to it's the sum of all the chemical processes that keep your body alive and the chemical reactions in the body cells that convert food into energy to all your body to properly function. So um, it's a pretty wide range, but that's the more scientific term. Um, And to understand metabolism, we need to understand that the body expends energy or calories in a few different ways, which I I don't know if you want to dive more into that. Yeah, I'll dive into that. So the energy that your body burns in a day is called your total daily energy expenditure or TDEE, which is divided into three to four main components We'll simplify it with three, and then we'll explain why it might be four. Um, So number one, we have resting metabolic rate, or RMR. Then we have thermic effect of food, or TEF. And then third, we have our activity energy expenditure, which can be broken down into two smaller parts, which we'll dive into soon. And then RMR, I'm sure you've heard you know, RMR calculators, right? A lot of people go online, which I highly recommend just to see where you're at. And again, this is just a calculation. 
it is a good place to start to just have a robot calculator um, tell you what your estimated RMR is. But I would say that there would be no better way than actually getting it tested if you're concerned. I know some clinics or gym test RMR or metabolic rate, uh, but it doesn't hurt to just throw some data into a an online RMR calculator to see where you're at. But RMR is the amount of energy expended at rest. So this is when we're just sitting here, breathing, sleeping, most of your just natural daily body functions. And RMR accounts for about 70% of total calorie expenditure. So people think that their exercise is how they expend the most calories in a day, but it's actually your resting metabolic rate. Just think of all the bodily processes that are happening without you realizing it. Your body is like pumping blood and your lungs are, you know, doing their thing. So it's not just like, oh, I'm exercising and then I'm not. Most of our daily calorie expenditure just comes from our daily bodily processes that we don't really realize are going on. And the crazy part about metabolism, and I know a lot of people blame their metabolism as they age, they're like, oh, well, as I get older, my metabolism is just crap. Yes, metabolism does go down as we age. Metabolic rate drops about 3% per decade after 30. But this is kind of where it makes me almost laugh a little bit because yes, it does go down, but we also have to realize that as most people get older, they move their bodies less, which does not help the metabolic situation. Would you agree, Carolyn? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so people say like, oh, as I get older, like it just gets harder. Yeah, because as people get older, they work out less, they strength train less, they eat less protein, and we'll come back to those things. But these are all things that are not helping your metabolism. So you can actually maintain a pretty high metabolic rate, but you got to keep moving. You can't just like get old and become sedentary. You got to keep moving until the end. Another few things about RMR I want to mention is that RMR in sedentary adults, so that number that you calculate, can actually range from less than 1,200 to more than 3,000 calories per day in men and women. So when people say like, oh, like, what do you think my RMR is? If I just looked at someone, I'd be like, well, it could be 1,200, could be 3,000. We're not sure because it's such a variable range. And one thing that really affects RMR more than anything else is your muscle mass and your fat mass. About 80% of the variability in your resting metabolic rate can be explained by how much fat to muscle you have. Again, we're going to keep mentioning this in this episode. And hopefully if you don't strength train, we will convince you by the end of this podcast because strength training is one of the best things that you can do to increase your metabolism. And other factors that, of course, affect your metabolism, your height, your weight, your age, your gender, your nutrition, your activity level. But that's enough with the RMR. Let's dive into thermic effective food. Carolyn, why don't you dive into that one for our listeners? Yeah, so the thermic effect of food is really the amount of energy that it takes for your body to digest, absorb, and metabolize the food that you eat. 
it accounts for approximately 10% of calorie expenditures. Basically, it's just how you're breaking down your food. And it is broken down even more into what type of food and like what macronutrient it's composed of, whether that be fat, carbohydrates, protein, um, they all have a different thermic effect of food. So fat in general, for every gram of fat, it equals nine calories. Um, And its thermic effect of food is zero to 3%. Carbohydrates provide four calories per gram. And their thermic effect of food is five to 10%. So it's slightly above the fat. And then protein provides four calories per gram. And it's thermic effect of food is 20 to 30%. So this is why if you've ever heard somebody recommend to eat more protein, if you want to boost your metabolism, it's 20 to 30% when you're just absorbing and and breaking it down versus the anywhere from like zero to 10% compared to like carbohydrates and fat. So it's a pretty substantial difference between the two, um, which is why it plays such a key role in fat loss. Definitely. But we also don't want people to think like, hey, if you just eat more protein, it's going to solve all your problems. Yes, in my podcast episode a couple weeks ago, we talked about why protein is a game changer, and it is. But you can't just eat more protein and expect everything to be magical, and suddenly you look like the Hulk, and you're all muscular and toned and athletic. But we do want to prioritize protein for many reasons, and this is just one of those reasons. Last, we have our third component of our total energy expenditure, which is our activity. Obviously, this is the calories that you expend being active. So we can break those down into two different categories. We have our NEAT, and then we have our actual exercise activity. So NEAT stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis, and that's a mouthful. And what that is, is basically the movement you do besides planned structured exercise. So this morning I went to the gym. That counts as my exercise activity. It's a planned structured workout. But right now, as I talk, I'm moving my hands around. My legs are moving. Uh, You know, maybe you're standing in line at the grocery store and you're fidgeting. So standing, fidgeting, just moving your body around. That's That's neat. That's non-exercise movement. I would also put just like walking in a parking lot, like kind of getting your steps in, even though a lot of people have to plan to get their steps in. I would put just your daily steps in that category as well. So again, we have RMR, we have thermic effective food, and then we have our activity energy expenditure. And obviously, the exercise component is the most variable. You can't really manipulate the thermic effect of food and you can only impact your resting metabolic rate so much and not really in one day. But of course, in one day, you can expend very little calories exercising or a lot depending on how long you exercise and how intense you exercise. So for the activity energy expenditure, This accounts for about 15 to 50% of your total daily expenditure. But it's important to note, and I feel like we should have a little convo about this, is that just working out for 30 minutes a few times a week is not enough for most people to see 
fat loss or the body composition results that they want because that 30 minute workout that you might be doing three times a week, like compared to total daily expenditure, that 30 minute workout might account for 5% of your total calories burned in that day. So yes, we want people to exercise for all the reasons, but sometimes those little 30 minute workouts are not enough. I totally agree. Yeah, it's not so much about those those 30 minute workouts, but what you're actually doing throughout the rest of the day, like how much you're walking, how much you're moving. If you're working out for 30 minutes and then sitting in a chair the rest of the day, it's probably not going to have much of an impact. Exactly. And that's why it's so important to move your body throughout the day, because I'm sure that you work with a lot of women, especially because we we both work with mostly women that have desk jobs like we do. Right. We work from home. We're on Zoom all day. We're on calls all day. We have desk jobs. But I don't just like sit in this chair all day. Every opportunity I get, I'm like moving around the house. I'm going up and down my sidewalk during breaks because that 40 minute workout that I do in the morning, that's not enough. And if all you're doing is a workout a few times per week, and then you're sitting on your butt the rest of the day, that might not, there, there's, there's room for improvement. There's, there's a missing piece. And that's why we have so many clients quote unquote, get their steps in because walking is cheap. It's low impact and most people can do it. There's no need to do like sprints or go for a run or do intervals. I haven't ran since 2015 and it's fine. I'm still in shape. It's all good. But if you love to run, knock yourself out. Just not for me. And I want to share, since we're talking about the different components of RMR, just a little side story of I had a high school athlete I was working with a few years ago and she told me that during her track and field practice, she only burned 300 calories. So she asked me if she only needed to eat 300 calories that day to kind of balance things out. And that's where people don't understand, again, metabolism, right? It, it was a, such a great question, especially from a high school student that was like, hey, today I burnt 300 calories exercising, so I only need 300, right? I see where her mind is coming from, but that's where people don't realize that we expend approximately 70% of calories just with resting metabolic rate and we have thermic effective food. So you need way more than three to 500 calories. I would say most people need at least 1200 calories just for resting metabolic rate. Would you say that's mm -hmm. probably like a good minimum amount slash guess? <laughs> Yes. If you are just sit like not moving, not doing anything, that would be the bare minimum. So people that are following these 1200 calorie diets while doing all these other things, they're kind of, you know, digging themselves a hole with their metabolism. I don't know if you've ever had 1200 calories in a day, Carolyn. I have not. Maybe like on a sick day, right? Where you just like live on broth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but on a normal day, just, you know, last year I tracked my macros to prep for my my beach wedding and i just remember that for the last three weeks before mexico i was at 1800 and only for three weeks was i at 1800 before that i did my entire cut at above 2000 and i just remember being at 1800 for three weeks and being like 
oh my gosh, this is terrible. I'm so hungry. And it just made me think, how do people do 1200 calorie diets? Because I was starving at 1800. And I think that most people that are dieting at 1200, it's so restrictive that they cheat on the diet. Like I feel like most people are not consistently at 1200 because it's so hard that I'm like, there's no way. There's no way people are mm -hmm. actually eating 1200 calories for two years. Cause I had someone on the phone tell me that. And I'm like, okay, maybe like five days a week, but are you doing that on the weekends? Are you weighing your food? Like, is this for real? So when people tell me I'm eating 1200 calories and not nothing's happening, I'm like, are you sure? Because, yeah. you know, at 1800, I was about to give up. So <laughs> definitely. Or I have it on the flip side where somebody's been doing that for so long. They've been eating, you know, less than 1500 calories for so long that their body actually adapts their hunger signals like stop coming, which is not good either. If you don't have, you know, hunger when you're not eating that much, it's not a good thing. So I do kind of see that too, where people are like struggling to get enough food in and it's because their metabolism is so downregulated just from the years of like under fueling that their body doesn't even know like what tr true hunger actually is. For sure. That definitely happens in our program, too. We have people that aren't even hungry at 1,200, 1,300, 1,500 when they come in. And we're like, this is because you've been here so long. The body adapts to protect you. Like, mm -hmm. imagine if you, like, actually felt hungry all the time being at 1,200. Like, that would be miserable. So it's a protective mechanism from your body. So even though a lot of people hate their bodies, right? Your body is trying to keep you alive by not letting you lose more weight because you're in such a chronic underfueled situation. So you mm -hmm. might not like your body, but your body loves you and it's doing whatever it takes to keep you alive. So just remember that. Let's dive into one of my favorite things to talk about, metabolism boosting foods. Carolyn, has anyone ever DM'd you or asked you like, hey, what foods can I eat to boost my metabolism? And what do you say? What's the answer to this question? Well, I know like some very common or what people think are very common metabolism boosting foods are things like apple cider vinegar, caffeine, spicy foods, green tea, things like that. Definitely in the research, it does show that they do increase your metabolism, but it's such a small amount. I don't know the exact percentage. It's, it's not enough to actually make a difference. Um, so it might, you know, increase your metabolism by like 0.1%. So you're not going to notice like major drastic shifts or anything like that. Same thing goes for metabolism boosting supplements, you know, things like Ollie metabolism gummy rings, they contain some of those common ingredients like the apple cider vinegar that claim to boost your metabolism. But I think at the end of the day, if there was a magic pill, we would probably all be taking it already, right? So if you're listening to this and you've tried these things and it didn't work for you, there's a reason why. So I would probably save your money and implement some of the things that we're going to be talking about later on that can actually boost your metabolism versus just relying on these metabolism boosting foods or supplements or whatever the claim out there is. Definitely. Because if there was a powder or pill that you could just mix with water and then it would increase your metabolic rate, who wouldn't take that? Exactly. What about 
I feel like one of the commonly asked questions with metabolism is, does eating more frequently boost metabolism? Like eating five to six times a day versus three times a day. So there's actually no evidence that supports the idea that eating more often will increase your RMR. Really what it comes down to is all these other factors. Like how are you moving throughout the day? Are you incorporating strength training? How many calories are you consuming? Things like that are going to have much more of an impact than like the frequency of your meals. And I actually see sometimes negative effects from clients that are eating like every one to two hours. They're not giving their gut enough time in between meals to actually rest, digest the food um, and give the gut system basically a break. So sometimes I can see it work negatively um, in people that are doing this chronically and it cannot be a good thing. So I usually recommend eating like every three to five hours. That's usually a good window. You don't want to go too long without eating, but you also don't want to be like constantly eating throughout the day either. Yes, it really depends on the person. Different situation for athletes. Oftentimes, athletes have to eat every two to three hours to get all the fuel that they need throughout the day. Uh, But this is where it really depends person to person. Like you said, when we have more of a gut health focus, we need a little bit more time in between meals and snacks. Athletes need less time. Pregnant people like myself might need to just eat tiny little amounts of crackers and carbs and protein when they can get it here and there, depending on what they can tolerate. But again, this is where individualized nutrition comes in if needed. But the point is, is that there's no evidence to support the idea that eating more often will increase your metabolic rate. Let's move on to things that negatively impact metabolism. Let's get that list started. Yeah, so I would say number one offender is chronic stress. And I'm sure whoever's listening to this has probably heard this before. And it's kind of like beating a dead horse sometimes. But in terms of stress, it's such a huge component when it comes to just your overall well-being. And it's not so much about like eliminating stress because that's impossible, but, you know, building up your stress resilience um, so that you're not overly stressed and reacting to every little thing that goes on throughout your day. So that's a big one. Um, Being a cardio bunny is number two for things that do not uh, positively impact your metabolism. Now, cardio does have many great beneficial um, health effects. However, if the only thing that you're doing is spending hours on the treadmill, hours on the elliptical, it's not necessarily metabolism supportive. um, And the body is very uh, adaptive. So whatever you're currently doing in terms of cardio, it can adapt very quickly to that and it becomes less effective. Um, So that's kind of where strength training comes into play, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, lack of sleep is another huge one that kind of goes with stress. If you are stressed out all the time and not sleeping well at night, no matter, um, you might be able to see some results with um, nutrition and fitness, but you might not be able to reach your full capacity with lack of sleep, or you might not be seeing any results at all. So it's not just about getting sleep, but also good quality sleep. If you're sleeping nine hours a night, but you're waking up, you know, several times, you're lying wide awake between one and 3am, that can also be playing a role too. Um, Another one that I focus a lot on with my clients is lack of minerals. So minerals are the spark plugs to 
tons, thousands, I would say, of chemical reactions throughout your body. So um, some big ones that I see are your foundational minerals like calcium, magnesium, sodium, and potassium. And yes, I did say sodium. And no, you do not need to avoid salt. Um, It's all about choosing the right kinds and getting the right uh, quantities for you. And then next would be really any stressors on the body. So it's not just mental stress like most people think, but if you're dealing with gut infections, nutrient deficiencies, or even insufficiencies, maybe you're not deficient in something, but you're not quite getting enough where it's in an optimal state, um, all of these things can in turn impact thyroid function, which is very reactive to any type of stress um, and also digestion, of course. And finally, the big one that a lot of people do not realize is under eating and dieting. Um, This can severely negatively impact your metabolism if you are doing it long term. If you are very strategic about it and you're, you know, in a fat loss phase, I generally don't recommend um, for my clients to go longer than like 12 to 16 weeks. That's fine as long as you appropriately get yourself out of that you know, intentional under eating type state. But the main thing I want to point out or get across is that your body is not meant to be in fat loss year round. It needs sufficient diet breaks. Majority of the time you should actually be eating at maintenance or above um, to allow your body to feel safe. And also whenever you are trying to lose weight to make it effective so that your efforts aren't all for nothing and you're frustrated and not seeing results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a thing that we see a lot too is people have been chronically under eating or just yo-yo dieting on and off. It's best to just find a time of year where you can be consistent, be in a deficit for like 16 weeks, and then take a break, bring your body back to maintenance, focus on building muscle, focus on nourishing your body, eating enough, feeling your best, and then bam, you can go into another deficit or a cut to continue seeing results later. Uh, And I want to come back to what you said about the minerals. So a lot of people focus just on macros, right? Protein, carbs, and fats. But it's important to not forget about the micros, the micronutrients either. So this is where people ask, well, what's more important, the quantity or the quality of food? Of course, when you're in a fat loss phase, quantity matters most, right? Because you need to be in a deficit, but quality also matters. And I think quality matters more when it comes to your health status and improving health markers and improving your gut health and your thyroid health and all of those things. And it's really hard to get enough micronutrients or minerals when you're in a calorie deficit, which is also why we should not be in a calorie deficit long term because the body is just not getting the nutrients that it needs. So again, fat loss phases are meant to be temporary for more reasons than one. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that a lot of people are seeking to lose weight or to lose fat, but unfortunately the downside of losing a bunch of weight is a reduction in your resting metabolic rate because Weighing less means there's less body tissue to support. So again, if someone loses 100 pounds, metabolic rate is going to go down because you have significantly less surface area for your body to support. This is why we 
recommend slow and steady, sustainable weight loss, not quick, aggressive, next level, like losing 30 pounds in 30 days weight loss in order to try to keep your metabolic rate as high as possible. So if you do slow and steady, sustainable fat loss, your metabolic rate should normalize after the deficit or cut or fat loss phase is over. But the problem is most people don't want to go slow and steady because we want instant gratification and we don't feel good right now. And I get that. Like people are just like, oh, but Danny, like I just, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't have confidence. I hate how I look in pictures. I'm like, I know, but like fast doesn't last. Like it's, we're going to end up back at square one if we go to a thousand calories and you lose all this weight in five days. Like it's just, it's just not the long-term solution. And this is why people that lose a lot of weight really fast have such a hard time maintaining that weight loss. If you think of the shows, if you Google like biggest loser, like most people that lose like 100, 200 pounds, they gain it back over the years because it's such fast large amounts of weight loss. So it's important to be patient and play the long game rather than the short game. Definitely. It's kind of like if you're going to do the work, you might as well do it the right way and the correct way so that you're not having to continually repeat this cycle of lose the weight, gain it all back, and then you know repeat, rinse and repeat. And I'm sure many people listening are like, yep, that's me. Like I keep like <laughs> losing and gaining the same 20 pounds over and over. And it's, it's just not fun. Like nobody wants to do that. So instead it's just like, let's do it right. And let's do it once. That's what I tell our clients. Like this might take a year, a year and a half, but you've been doing this on and off for seven years and 12 months is much better than seven years. So Let's stop the nonsense. Let's do it right. Let's go into a consistent fat loss phase and then let's reverse out of it. And then we can focus on fat loss again later if you still want to lose more or improve your body composition. But doing it the right way seems like a long time when I tell people like, okay, this is going to take a year and a half. And they're like, what? Like I've lost 30 pounds in two months before. And I'm like, yeah, and you gained it back, which is the last thing that we want. Like, I always say, what's the point of investing time, energy, and money into your health and your body composition goals or your performance goals if the results are temporary? I don't know about you, but I'm not about temporary results. Like, nothing sounds worse than having something awesome for a short amount of time. It just sounds terrible. So mm -hmm. let's do it right and let's do it once, people. Now, let's share what things positively impact metabolism. So we kind of talked about what not to do. Let's tell people what they should do to boost or rev up their metabolism. Yeah, so we did touch on a few of these things already. But again, getting enough sleep, that's a big one. Stress management, protein foods, we already touched on those. But one that we didn't touch on um, already is balancing out your blood sugar, which can be mainly done through balancing out your meals. So making sure that your plate is balanced with a good mix of protein, produce, and then some type of carbohydrates. So that could be a grain or like a starchy vegetable like potatoes, peas, or corn. 
It can also be helpful to eat regularly throughout the day, not going too long um, in between meals without eating. That can cause some pretty major blood swings um, in one direction or the other. And then minerals also really do help with blood sugar balance as well. Next up would be uh, resolving any and improving any physical, mental, emotional stressors. So kind of what we had talked about previously, um, minerals and mineral rich foods, which again, these are the things that a lot of people don't necessarily think about. And it's not, it's a little tricky sometimes to get them in because minerals aren't in like your typically in like your vegetables. For example, we think of vegetables as a healthy choice and they definitely are, but some examples of mineral rich foods are things like, you know, cod liver oil or beef liver, you know, those organ meats, things like that. That's just one example that would be a mineral rich food. And then next and finally um, would be reverse dieting at the end of your diet. So after you lose the weight properly, improving and increasing your metabolism, getting back up to a new level of maintenance, because as you lose weight, you require less calories. Um, but I think a lot of people forget that once they reach their goal, you're not done there. You have to increase your calories again in a very strategic way, which is helpful to do by working with a professional that has done this before because it's scary to increase calories after you've lost the weight. But this is the key that a lot of people are missing that prevents that weight regain and weight rebound. For sure. Yeah, it's I feel like so many people come to us, they're like, I want to lose 30 pounds. And then they hit that 30 pounds. They're like, okay, bye. And I'm like, nope, wait for it. I'm like, now we have to do maintenance. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I have to teach you how to maintain this now because that's one thing you have never been able to do on your own. Because again, people, they set a goal. I want to lose 30 pounds. They cut carbs or do cardio or, you know, eat healthier, portion their food. They lose the weight and then they get there and they're like, boom, I'm done. Celebrate. Woo party. And I'm like, now we have the hardest part. Like the fat loss part is not the hardest. Maintenance is the hardest, which is why maintenance is the final phase of our program. Because again, what's the point of doing all the work if you can't maintain it? And if you're doing macro tracking for your fat loss phase, then we do a reverse diet with macros to help you maintain. But if you just lost weight from healthy habits and whatnot, that's kind of a different conversation. It really depends on what you did. But just realize that if you lose a significant amount of weight, I would say like anything over 20 to 30 pounds is pretty significant. We probably need to do some kind of maintenance phase at the end. Just to give an example, Susan loses 50 pounds. Her maintenance calories before losing the 50 pounds was 2,000. Well, then she lost 50 pounds. So Susan has a new maintenance now that is 1,500 calories. So again, people don't realize that when they lose a significant amount of weight, maintenance calories is typically lower unless they maintained all their muscle mass, or built a bunch of muscle. So again, just something to think about after you've successfully lost the weight, that's not the end. 
Now we're in a new phase called maintenance and it is the most important. And a lot of people like to skip that phase. They're like, oh, it's fine. I'll do it on my own or whatever. No one is going to reverse diet themselves. That's what I tell my clients. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not doing that alone. Like you need to tell me what to do because there's nothing scarier than increasing your calories. Now that you finally feel confident and your clothes fit better and you've hit that goal weight, nothing is scarier than increasing your calories after. But it's so rewarding and so fun to get people like a lot of my clients will end their fat loss phases of like 1700 calories, but then we reverse them over 2000. They're like, oh, thank God. Like, I'm so glad that I'm actually ending this journey in the 2000s because 1600, 1700s was not fun. So love a good reverse diet. It's a pretty magical thing. All right, let's wrap things up with a little summary of metabolism and the main things that we need to do. And Carolyn, we forgot to mention or to really emphasize or highlight the two most important things people need to do if they want to boost their metabolism. What are those two things? It would be the strength training and the eating enough. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> and we've mentioned it kind of here and there sparingly. But if there's one thing that you remember from today's podcast about improving your metabolism or your metabolic rate, strength training and eating enough, those two things are the best things that you can do. So if you've been chronically under eating, eating enough is the solution. And if you're not strength training, let's start adding that in at least twice a week. Just start with two times. And you can start with body weight or bands. You don't need to go deadlift with a barbell. But those are the two things that need to happen if your goal is to improve your metabolism. Lift heavy things, eat enough. And within the eat enough is eat enough protein. Because mm -hmm. it's not just eat more, right? Eating enough is not the same thing as eating more. Just figuring out what that amount is for you to be at maintenance most of the time. So in summary, there is no strong evidence backing metabolism boosting supplements or food. Spend your money elsewhere. The worst thing you can do is chronically undereat, yo-yo dieting and just doing cardio. And the best thing you can do is the opposite. Eat enough, lift weights, eat enough protein, build muscle, get your minerals in. Get your minerals in. Lots of vitamins and minerals and through your food. We can use supplements to fill the gaps, but food first, supplement as needed. Carolyn, thanks so much for joining me and talking about this very fun topic. I'm out of breath personally because of all the excitement or pregnancy. We're not sure. Uh, but where can people find you? People can find me mainly over on Instagram at Nutrition by Carolyn K. Or you can check out my website on NutritionbyCarolynK.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for talking metabolism with me, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.